0: Hello, and welcome to the Sex Within Marriage podcast. I'm JD, and I blog at sexwithinmarriage.com about married sexuality within the Christian context. And this podcast is basically an extension of that blog. And I'm also a Christian marriage coach, and you can find my coaching practice at anonymousmarriagecoaching.com for those of you who want uh, marriage coaching, uh, but it's about topics that are a little too scary to sit down and talk with somebody face-to-face about. Today we're going to talk about how to spice up your sex life because just about every blog and podcast out there about marriage has some kind of post or episode about, hey, use this one tip to spice up your sex life. Uh, usually they have a dozen posts like that uh, because often their ideas are very short-lived and, uh you know, it's exciting for one night and then, It's not exciting anymore. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how to kind of continuously keep spicing things up, uh, how to make this a longer lasting effect on your marriage. And it basically has to do with boundaries. Uh, We all have boundaries and boundaries can be good and healthy or they can be bad and damaging and they can hold us back. And we need to be sure that our boundaries are based on something good, something that benefits us and our spouse and doesn't detract from our marriage. For example, a healthy boundary in dealing with sex in marriage uh, is something like not inviting others into your marriage bed. And that includes things like affairs and porn and swinging and everything that comes with that. So that's an example of a good boundary. Uh, we have many different kind of boundaries in our marriages, uh, especially with two people. Uh, we have some healthy boundaries, things that are good and holy, and they should be kind of kept where they are. Um, like that boundary about not inviting other people into your marriage. We also have some, sometimes we have growth boundaries, things that we're just not quite ready to do yet, uh, but maybe one day we will be. We have some boundaries that are a little bit more damaging, and they tend to come from things like bad teachings in the past or incorrect information or assumptions, uh unfounded fears possibly abuse or anger with your spouse. So those are kind of three different kinds of boundaries. And then, of course, you have your the husband's boundaries, uh, which are all the things that he's willing to do in the marriage bed or have done to him. You have the wife's boundaries, which are, again, are the same thing for her. Uh, you also have kind of this box that's your known boundaries. So the things that you're aware of that you know you will or won't do. And then there's kind of this other area of unknown boundaries, where... You don't really have a boundary against it yet, possibly, because you don't even know what it is. Uh, you've never come across the idea or the activity. So it might be something you do or it might not be something you do, but it's not something that's kind of in your mind at the moment. The only way I've found to continuously keep your sex life alive and constantly growing and keep spicing it up are to explore these boundaries. And... Like I said, some of them are good, like the healthy boundaries, the ones that are based in biblical principles or on medical information, you know, those might be good to keep. In the case of the biblical ones, I know they're good to keep. Uh, the problem is that sometimes what we think is in the Bible isn't in the Bible. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say things that, like, oral sex is bad, you know, it's it's immoral, but they have no biblical standing for that, uh, even though some of them think that they do. <clears throat> And so we have to be evaluating our boundaries and make sure that what we're, what we're claiming is a moral boundary is actually in line with something moral. Uh, our other boundaries, you know, our growth boundaries, we should be constantly kind of testing those and say, okay, well, maybe I wasn't ready for that yet, but maybe I am now. I know in a lot of marriages, things like, um, oral sex again, they, it doesn't always happen right off the bat. Sometimes it takes a few years. Sometimes it takes decades before one spouse or the other is ready to participate in something like that. And then the other ones are like that whole known boundaries and unknown boundaries box. Um, sometimes you don't even know that there are things that you can and can't do. Uh, that's why like a lot of our posts in our blog, uh, we bring up some of these activities that people don't really talk about. And they're kind of, some of them are a little bit scary for people who've never come across them before. Uh, but I'll, I write posts and I answer questions from people about things like, uh, hair pulling and videotaping and all these other things, because a lot of times people don't even know that it's something that they can do. And for example, their hair pulling post uh, I wrote once, I had so many people email me afterwards saying, I had no idea we could do this. And even more saying, we definitely do this and we love it, but we weren't sure it was okay. And, you know, we've been kind of thinking about that. So sometimes reading blogs and listening to podcasts that are rooted in good moral teachings, uh, they can be a good way to kind of expand that box of known boundaries so that you can kind of learn about new things that you can do in bed that aren't uh, bad, they're not immoral, they're not going to damage your relationship. <clears throat> the other way is to explore together in the safety of your bedroom. Um, too many couples, they just get kind of stuck in the same rut. They get into their bed, and they're like, okay, I know that if we do A, B, C, then you'll have an orgasm, and then we'll do D, E, and then I'll have an orgasm, and then we'll be done. And so every night they do the same progression, A, B, C, D, E. And after a while it gets boring, it gets dull, and they don't really learn a lot more outside of that set pattern. So it's good sometimes to kind of switch things up to try some things, to just say, hey, I want to try this, or what if we change this, or what if we shift this way, or there are so many different Ways that you can do things. Our bodies are so flexible, even for those of us who aren't that flexible, you can still move in a lot of very interesting ways. Try new things uh, and try different angles. And sometimes just the slightest tweak, the slightest kind of shift of your hips can, can change everything. But you have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to explore. You have to be willing to try something that might not work. Because sometimes you try things and you're like, no, that was that was not good. In fact, it was terrible and we're done for the night now. (laughs) Uh, Especially if you do something and it ends up being painful. Uh, Or if you try something and you fall off the bed and smack your elbow or something. Uh, I know plenty of people have emailed me with their stories of saying, yeah, we tried that and we fell off the bed and we broke a lamp. But they still had this attitude that it was still funny and it was fun, even if this specific thing didn't work out. And you need to be able to explore those things and kind of laugh at each other and be willing to say, yeah, we're going to try this thing. We're going to research it, but it may not work out. And that's okay. And the last thing is, you know, you have to spend kind of more time being more intimate. Um, not just having sex, but actually like focusing on growing your trust with each other. Uh, especially in the marriage bed when we're talking about expanding your sexual boundaries. You know, because if you trust each other, if you're willing to take small steps and baby steps towards things, then you can, yeah, learn to have more trust in each other and kind of get s- through some of these boundaries that you might have that are based in fear. Uh, I know when I wrote my post about, um, bondage, a lot of people emailed and said, you know, I would love to try this, but I don't trust my spouse. And that's a very difficult thing to want to do something and yet have this fear holding you back because you don't trust your spouse enough. Um, so with a lot of them, I wrote back and said, well, you know, maybe here's some baby steps that you could do to kind of um, increase your trust. And so I wrote a post about honor bondage, uh, which is kind of bondage without bondage. It's just, you know, you put your hands in a certain position like above your head or whatever and you don't move them. So it's kind of like a baby step into that. And a lot of them found that when they did that, then, you know, they could let go a little bit. They could learn to trust a little bit more. And there's all these things that you can always try different things. Uh, I know for a lot of women, uh, being naked with the lights on is a big scary thing. And That's, that's a huge topic that we can't unpack all in this uh, podcast episode. Um, but there are again baby steps that you can do. Um. With some women, they found that if they're blindfolded, it's a lot easier because then they don't have to see even though their spouse is seeing. And it's just kind of a mental trick that you can play on yourself. And then once you kind of get past that, you realize that, oh, well, he's already seen me, so it doesn't really make that much of a difference if the lights are on or not. So in some ways like this, you can keep kind of testing these boundaries and pushing these uh, kind of growth boundaries back a little bit further and further. Uh, So you can touch on some of these activities that, uh, you weren't able to do before. And the last thing I want to suggest is that you try new things at least twice. Uh, I've heard this over and over again. Uh, I just heard it a while back ago when I was doing my research for, uh, my post on like what's a good first adult toy. Uh, the guys at MarriedDance.com they said, you know, make sure you you tell people, you know, try their toys twice at least, because a lot of people, the first time, they don't like them. And we've had that experience ourselves. We've had some toys that we tried them out, in the first time we were just like, nah, that's not that great. And then later on, they end up being, like, our favorite toy for a while. And it doesn't just happen with toys. It happens with activities, too. Uh, sometimes the first time you try something, uh, there's you're not really sure what's going on, so you're very hesitant, and uh, you don't really know if it's going to work out so there's some fear involved and there's a lot of stuff going on it can really negatively impact um kind of the pleasure of the moment and so the next time you try it then you're like okay well now I kind of know what's going on what to expect and you can relax a bit more and it can be a lot better it doesn't always work like that sometimes the first time you try something is the most exciting and then it's never that good again Uh, but (laughs) you don't know until you try so there are some quick ideas and kind of the basic principle behind uh, how to keep constantly spicing up your sex life. Uh, eventually, you'll build up a repertoire of all these activities and everything so that you can constantly kind of be cycling through them. And you'll have, well, this is our favorite activity for the next few months. I'm not saying you plan it. It just happens to come out like that. And then later on, you're thinking, oh, well, we haven't done this other thing in a while. And then you switch to that for a while. and and that way you can kind of keep cycling through these activities, and so they always kind of seem new and they seem fresh. Even if they're not brand new, they're kind of refurbished almost, because it hasn't been done in a while. You know, in our house, when we are picking meals, I, I created a jar and I put all the meal ideas into the jar, because my wife hates meal planning. So uh, I always take the jar and I go around to the kids and let them pick out one meal idea for the week. And so they pick out and then that's their meal. Oh, okay. One picks out pizza and one picks out stir fry and one picks out pad thai and one picks out whatever else. And I'm not suggesting that you create a jar with different sexual activities in it, although that might not be a bad idea. Uh, but you'll always have this kind of, uh, virtual jar that you can pull ideas out of and say, well, hey, how about we try this tonight? Or how about we do this? Or what do you think of this? And sometimes you'll be surprised. You're like, Oh yeah, we haven't done that in a while. And it's good to try these things again every once in a while because often things change throughout our life as well. I know, uh, in particular, uh, women's cycles tend to shift how their nerves work. Uh, so sometimes different activities feel better at different times of the month and not- other times of the month. Also with pregnancy, uh, there's a lot of shifts around in pregnancy. Uh, physiological changes where actually like body parts are kind of shifting and moving around and uh, expanding and being squished. So that changes how things feels, but also there's a lot more blood flow, uh, which creates a, creates a lot more potential for arousal. Uh, you can do some activities that you couldn't do before because they just never could get aroused enough to actually enjoy it. Uh, so, It's always good to kind of keep cycling through these things because even though it might have been maybe tolerable in the past, now it might be really good for one spouse or the other. And things keep changing and it's always good to kind of keep testing those waters. So those are my tips uh, for how to keep your sex life alive and exciting and spiced up if you would and I hope you all have a wonderful new year's eve and next week we'll have another topic for you to help you in your marriage be sure to check out the blog and find the marriage challenge for this week and we'll talk to you after the new year